Squad belly up. This is the game. Yeah. It's a uh, cat and mouse. Smoked a turkey. <laughs> yes. He is down. He is freaking down. Said he shot an absolute giant. Fall obsession, baby. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another Fall Obsession podcast. I'll be your guide today. Uh, I am Nick Powell, Media Production Manager with Fall Obsession. Uh, and today we're going to talk about uh, hunting out of state and uh, just some things that you should expect, uh, how to prepare. I have our CEO, Sam, with us here today. What's He's, up, everybody? Sam, thanks for uh, coming and talking with us and kind of explaining what to do in this situation with hunting out of state because I know it's a lot of guys' dreams to go hunt uh, at somewhere else, just somewhere different than what they're used to. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's always good to change it up. Uh, I know you've had some experience uh, hunting in Montana. Uh, I know we live here in Texas, for those who don't know, so uh, hunting in Montana is completely different. So It is very different, um, yes. I'd like to kind of touch on uh, just how you came to, because to, I know you hunted antelope, right? Yes. Um, so how did you come to what animal to, to go hunt for? So, Or how would that come about? So full transparency, um, I, I do not consider myself a a huge expert on this process or hunting out of state. This is a more of a first timers perspective for you guys, just because I've only done this a couple years now. Um, and and Montana is the only place that I've gone. So, but you're asking about how I came to the decision. Um, it it was kind of, uh, it was kind of the the only one that I, that I had. Um, (laughs) so, and it's not a bad thing at all. So our marketing manager, Drew Tordick up in Minnesota, he hunts every year in Montana, and he hunts elk and mule deer and whitetail and, and pronghorn. He, I mean, he goes for everything. But he, he sent me an email one day, and he was like, hey, and this was in the summer of 2018. He was like, hey, do you want to come hunt um, pronghorn or elk up here this year? And I said, well, I, and he sent me some, some prices and some info, and I was like, well, I, I don't think I can afford elk, but gotcha. tell me more about pronghorn. Yeah. So we did, and it looked like something that I that I would want to do. And I talked to the boss about it, and uh, she was she was okay with it. <laughs> so I, uh, I I asked him what I needed to do to, to put in for a tag. So at least with Montana, um, you go on to Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, and of course, like like most states, I'm sure there's there's a there's a wide variety of tags based on the different uh, different zones and stuff that you can hunt in. Um, for, for me, I wanted to bow hunt and, and I went all in, I went for the bow hunting only tag and, uh, which, which doesn't give you the option to switch to a rifle if it gets hard. So I I was fully committed, but it's apparently the bow hunting only tag is a little bit easier to get. Um, and it's a little bit, uh, you don't have to, it's, I guess it's for the whole state. You don't have to be specific to a a certain zone or region or anything. So Mm -hmm. I, uh. I put in, I, I, and for those of you who don't know, in Montana, the deadline for um, like elk and mule deer and stuff is the end of March. But for pronghorn, for whatever reason, it is June 1st. Hmm. So you have up until June 1st to put in for your draw tag of that upcoming season. So I put in for it. I got drawn, my archery only, so I was Montana bound. Um, that That's how... Uh, that's how it kind of came about. Drew Drew offered, and I accepted. And then, of course, the last year, the following year, I, uh, me and Chester both went up there, and 
and did the same thing. So. Awesome. So I know you, you said that you put in for the tag. Can you kind of uh, elaborate on what put in for the tag okay, kind yeah. of means? So, so online, at least with Montana, the there's the tag that you have to purchase, which I think the pronghorn tag was around a couple hundred bucks. Okay. Um, that money, is, since it is a draw, that money that you put in for on the tag is money that you get back if you do not get drawn. Okay. So it's only, I mean, you pay it right then and there, but it's only said and gone if you actually get drawn if you don't get drawn then it comes back gotcha. so it's a it's a lottery draw yeah right? it, it is so you pay for your tag uh your name goes into a, a bucket basically and they essentially yeah and they draw the name out of the bucket i'm sure that's not how it actually happens but maybe it might be you know who knows? <laughs> it'd be pretty funny if it was <laughs> <laughs> they just write your name down on a piece of paper we're doing uh, this old school guys <laughs> yeah and then they just draw a name out of a bucket, and if your name gets drawn, you get a you get a pronghorn tag that you get the chance to go get one. Uh, yeah, essentially. So there's there's other fees that go with it. You got to purchase um, your the actual hunting license because your tag is not your license. Your tag is just for gives you the ability to shoot that animal. Gotcha. You still got to buy your hunting license, which is like thirty thirty five bucks or something. And then there is the uh, there's like a conservation fee, which is five or ten or fifteen bucks or something. So mm-hmm. it, I mean, they they nickel and dime you with a couple things. Yeah. After so, I also with me bow hunting, I have to purchase the archery stamp, mm-hmm. um, which is just an extra ten dollars. But me being the cheap guy that I am, I waited until after I had found out that I got drawn, and then I went back and purchased the archery stamp okay. later, just that's so good that to know that that's an option. Yeah, just so that I didn't go and buy something that I would end up not needing. Yeah, with that's a pretty good hot tip there. Yeah, hot tip for you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that that's the process. And I'm sh- I, granted, again, limited experience here, so I haven't put in for any other states. So other states may be different. They may be similar. I cannot attest to that at this time. Yeah, but, and I know the only thing that I can um, attest to is Texas, where if you buy your hunting license, you get a bunch of tags with it. So... Texas is super easy, and so we found this out, too, for guys who are coming to Texas. We found this out from our own guys um, last year when we did the staff hunt, and we had guys coming from Colorado, Minnesota, Georgia, um, to come in here and hunt with us down in San Angelo. Um, The out-of-state license they get is the same as what we get as residents. They just pay a lot more for it, which is five deer tags, um, two mule deer, or five whitetail tags, two mule deer tags, Mm -hmm. and then four turkey tags. Yep. So, um, you get a, you can, if you're in a target rich environment, you can kill some deer yeah, in Texas. Absolutely. You can fill so, your freezer pretty easy. Absolutely. Um, so I know you, you mentioned that when you put in for your tags, the draw tag, uh, in Montana, if you don't get drawn, you get some of that back. You, you get what you put in for, for the tag. So the, your hunting license, your conservation fee, those thirty-five, twenty, ten-dollar fees that you that right. pile onto it, those are non-refundable. Yeah. Because once you buy a Montana hunting license, you have a Montana hunting license. It right. doesn't matter if you have a tag to go with it or right. not. Right. So you so. don't. You just buy that, and that's something that doesn't get refunded. Just so everybody, Correct. just so all of our listeners are clear. So the good thing about that is, is even though you don't get that back, it's still going to Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> for the conservation of of the land there. Yeah. Um. But the differences in tags kind of segues into my next topic. I know that Montana landscape and Texas landscape are two completely different things. Yes. Can you kind of dive into how how different those are? How different 
the two of them are. Well, if you can imagine going from an oven into a freezer, <laughs> that would be one slight comparison. Gotcha. Any, any, anyway, so um, down here in Texas, hardwoods, woods, um, out east you might have some uh, pine and timber, but um, hardwoods, woods, brush country, mesquites, just kind of short and, and rough stuff. Yeah. Um, up there, it it's different. There's mountains, but you're on the plains, which <laughs> is just flat and grass, or it's yeah. really hilly. Like so, we were hunting like on the private land up there that Drew had that we were hunting mm-hmm. was really hilly. A lot of varying terrain, a lot of draws, a lot of little valleys. Okay. Um, there were there wasn't really any trees. Sometimes the brush was a little higher than others, but uh, it was it, it was pretty short. So, but the terrain gave you advantages. When we went out to public land this last year, it was really flat. Hmm. And you'd be standing up on a hill, you'd be glassing, and you look, and you see what looked like a little valley or ravine. It, it was not a valley or ravine. It was gotcha. a low spot is what it was. <laughs> a lot of sage. Um, some places above your head, other places barely up to your knees. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it really it made hunting challenging, especially from a spot and stock uh, perspective. Uh, mainly just because the public land, like I said, was a lot flatter. So um, I did a lot of crawling yeah. up there. So. With your uh, flag decoy? With a uh, fan decoy. Fan decoy. Yeah, that's what it is. With the fan decoy. We did some crawling with that. Chester used that a little more than I did this last year. But um, I I had several, I won't say several, I had two really long crawls um, throughout that week where we would spot a spot a group of them. A long ways out, we would try to find a spot that was gave us a, a tactical advantage to mm-hmm. where we could get up to him without being seen. I have the I have the footage of um, the last one we did ended up being a mile long. Oh my god! Legitimately a mile <laughs> long, and people may think I'm joking, but I I am not. We we uh, we measured it out. Where we started, we were in this ravine. And we had, it was above our heads on either side. We could not, I mean, no, nothing could see us. Mm-hmm. Very quickly, it got to the point where we were crawling. <laughs> and we were crawling for about an hour and a yeah. half. Like, that that's how quickly the terrain changes. That's how deceiving it looks from a distance. Yeah. And what sucks even more, even more is that you get up to 144 yards away and they wind you and it's all for nothing. Yeah. So, but... So yeah, the, the terrain is, is very different. It's a different concept also because like down here, you and I are used to tree stands, ground blinds, um, kind of setting the stage yep. you know, for, for our hunt, oh, if yeah. you will. Up there, you have to be willing to adapt. You have to adapt to the circumstances and be able to get out there and, and, and get it done on the fly. And I mean, you could go from us sitting here, sitting here as calm as we are right now um, and a split second later, you're knocking an arrow about to draw your bow back and shoot a goat. Mm. Like that's how quickly things can change. Sounds like fun. It's fun. It's the most <laughs> challenging hunt that I've ever been on. Right. Um, with that, without a doubt. Um, and I'm sure there's more challenging stuff out there. I'm sure I'll find myself in more challenging situations later on in my life. But, um, up till now, just going from Texas to that, it was a big change. It was a big learning curve and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a challenge yeah. for sure. So talking about learning curves, um, I know you said that the last couple of years uh, is the first time that you've ever hunted out of state. Last uh-huh. year and then the year before that. Mm-hmm. So you're fairly new to it. Um, 
for those uh, of us, including me, myself, what are some things to uh, expect when going uh, hunting out of state? Well, one, expect that there will be learning curves. Yeah. Um, it. I mean, you can watch videos all day long. You can listen to podcasts. You can. I mean, you can read books, articles. You. I mean, you can try to immerse yourself in this stuff to get as familiar as you can prior to. But it's not going to compare to actually going out there and doing it for yourself. Yeah. You can think you have an idea on what's going on, but until you're actually out there, walking around, walking these this territory, and looking at a hill and being like, "Oh yeah, that ain't that far." Well, that's three miles away. <laughs> that that uh, it, it's not going to compare. Right. So, um, that that's the biggest thing is is know that there are going to be learning curves and and prepare yourself as best you can. Um, it applies to so many things, but especially this. The proper gear it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, footwear too. If you're going spot and stalking um, up in open country, uh, footwear is is huge because you're going to be walking a lot. Yeah. So um, be prepared with that. Being in shape is is important. Just just because again you're you're walking all mm-hmm. the time. You're on your feet all day. Yeah. Um, and if you're not used to to being in shape or anything like that, then it, it's going to be a challenge. So. Um, preparing yourself in those ways can make it easier on you once you actually get up there and, and, and start figuring out what's going on um, and, and being prepared to, to make some, some crazy shots, shots on a moving target, long shots with your bow, long shots with your rifle. Yeah. You know, th- those are, those are stuff to, to think about and be prepared for as well. Um, when you're, when you're hunting in country like that, for sure. And when you're coming from an environment like down here too, right. that, that's, uh, that's important. Yeah, because so. we're used to this sometimes dry, sometimes humid heat. What was the weather like up in Montana? So both times I've gone up there, my first my first day, or maybe it was the second day of the first year, but early in the trip, it's been snowing. Okay. And this is like end of September, beginning of October, which down here <laughs> in Texas, it's still 90 it's still, degrees. Yeah, so, yeah, not even close to So snowing. pack for warm and, and have the right uh, – have the right – uh, clothing with you for that, but also be ready to to be on the cooler or have yourself on the cooler side because uh, we had days both years, um, and the day that I actually killed one on, it was it got up to like 60 degrees that day. Mm-hmm. And when I killed that that goat, I was sitting in the ground blind in a short sleeve shirt. Right. So um, be prepared for different different kinds of weather. Um, the Especially if you're down here in the south and you're used to the humidity and and kind of the heaviness in the air up there with elevation, it's different. Yeah, it's a lot different, and and there's not really a good way to prepare yourself for that unless right. you've done it before. Yeah. So that that's a challenge as well. But man, yeah, do your homework, do your research. Don't get me wrong, um, and and try to learn the animal that you're hunting because that's gonna that's gonna make a big difference too. Is knowing how antelope behave for example antelope pronghorn mm-hmm. behave and act that's going to make a make a difference so um and there's stuff that you'll learn once you get up there and you can actually see it there's stuff you'll understand better once you can actually get up there and see it yeah. but um do your homework but um on the front end preparing your own self physically and as far as your equipment goes um can can help you make it or break it up there yeah. when it's all said and done so definitely uh, so you mentioned that Montana is the only place out of state, uh, out of Texas that you've hunted. Uh-huh. Uh, is there anywhere else that you could see yourself or that you want to see yourself going?
going to hunt. Man, there's there's a long list. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Same with dream you. dream hunts. Um, I want to go to Alaska, man. Uh, I've seen so much content from other guys coming from Alaska, and it's just I, I want to kill a caribou. Okay. I, I really want to. That that is the top of my bucket list. Number right one. There. That is number one. That's a once in a lifetime hunt for me. That that's a dream right there. Um, under that would be elk. I, I don't really have a have a preference like versus New Mexico, Colorado, right. or, yeah. or stuff like that. But I, I'd like to go on a, a legitimate, a fun elk hunt and come home successful. Um, I would like to. Uh, I still have never killed a mule deer. I really would like to kill a stud mule deer with my bow. Yeah, that, that's another dream. So those are those are probably my top three. I'm really on the fence about if I want to do a grizzly hunt, like <laughs> with your bow. I want to do everything with my bow, man. All the stuff I'm saying, I I am going to take my bow. Yeah. If possible, I'm probably going to try to get a tag where I can switch to a rifle if I can. Granted, I, I know that might not be possible under some states and some circumstances, but like last year in Montana, I went up there again, bow hunting only, pronghorn, and mm-hmm. I came back unsuccessful. I could have popped one with a rifle day one. Right. But So next year I will be going back with the bow rifle option. Yeah. Bow priority but breaking down to a rifle if if I get the yeah. if I have to. Desperate times call for desperate exactly. measures. Exactly. <laughs> but all my stuff, man, I, I'm a bow hunter. It's just it, it it runs in my blood and and I want to all the stuff I want to do with my bow. Yeah. Um that's awesome. But yeah, I'm on the fence about that bear hunt, man. Yeah. That's uh that that's uh, it it'd be so cool, but at the same time it's like terrifying to think about yeah, so I, sure. I don't really know i'll have if that's going to happen i'm gonna have to warm up to it a little bit more. yeah there's a lot so. of horror stories out there with grizzly maulings and and stuff people getting attacked and oh yeah so, for uh, sure all those predator hunts are a little, a little uh, terrifying I, i'll tell you one that i will <laughs> do is is an idaho wolf hunt i, I i'm on board fun. with that yeah. now that, that would be fun so um well i think uh both of our lists have a lot of similarities um, yeah, what's your list, Nick? So, my number one would probably be an elk. Like you said, I don't really have a preference of where. I just want it to be a monster bull. Monster bull yeah. elk, yeah. Monster bull elk is my is my number one dream hunt. Um, Nicole going to let you put that on the wall? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I can't have any shoulder mounts in the living room. I have my own room for yeah shoulder i have mounts. two already so if i get an elk we're gonna have to get a bigger house because i don't even think an elk mount will fit in our living room um number two uh would probably be the mule deer again don't really have a preference of where but a nice big freaking stud mule deer would be sweet uh, number three is pronghorn and hopefully this year i'll get to check that one off <clears throat> I know you already have, man. So pronghorn, I, and it's cool how stuff evolves too. Cause like I always thought that killing an antelope, a pronghorn would be, that would be something that would be like a once in a lifetime hunt. And here I am, having already gone twice, mm-hmm. killed one, preparing to go a third time. Yeah, you know. So it, it's, it, it's just cool to see how those opportunities evolve. Yeah, you, you think you're gonna get to do this one time, and then all of a sudden you're doing it multiple times. Right. So that that's that's really cool. I know I stepped on your toes. No, there no, not bit, at all, not at all. Um, and I'll go to I'll go to top five because I have a top five list. Okay. Um, one of them includes multiple animals, but uh, number four 
uh, would probably be like an Audad or some type okay. of some type yeah. of mountain goat. Uh, and then number five, I want to sh- I want to do uh, a turkey slam. What it's called a turkey slam because there's tell us about a turkey slam. So there's five different species of turkeys. There's uh-huh. a Rio Grande turkey, which is right, right here, here in Texas. Texas. Dunn did that. Dunn got that one uh, with bow and rifle <laughs> and shotgun. So I don't know. You could call that something else, but I don't think that's trifecta. a trifecta. Boom! Right there. There's uh, Osceola that lives uh, down in Florida. Uh huh. The next one would be an eastern, uh-huh. and that's uh, on the eastern coast, obviously. Um, I hope so. Number four would be a Miriam's, uh, that I think is on the western side of the nation. And then the fifth one and final one would be a Gould's turkey. That's uh, down in Mexico. Down in Mexico. Yeah. All right. So that's the uh, turkey slam right there, folks. You're going to do that with uh, <laughs> with a bow and a shotgun both? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I'm not really, I don't really have a preference of what they go down with, but as long as they go down, that's all I care about. That'd be cool, man. That, that'd be cool to, to do that for sure. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of dreams out there. I know everybody's got them. Um, and, and of course the, I didn't even talk about this, but a stud whitetail too. Oh with yeah. A bow. Um, and I know there's a lot of guys that have already checked that off their list. And uh, and and might even consider me having done it, but my my biggest buck to date is uh, is a big old eight point that taped out, I, I believe, right at one forty. Mm-hmm. So and, and I mean that's solid just eight. that's just, he was a solid eight point, very respectable buck. My my I was stoked, my best deer ever. But I mean I've and that goes back to a, a previous episode that we talked about about how we are we're average guys. Yep. Just because we have a podcast and we have fall obsession doesn't mean that we are we are going to ranches all over the country and hunting yeah. big deer. We're not. Um, the properties down here in Texas that I've been privileged to be on over the years, um, 140 inch deer was a big deer. Oh yeah, you know for sure. It that's, is a big. That's deer around what my biggest deer is. It was, he was a uh, a really tall mainframe 10 with a few stickers yeah. and he taped out at around 140 i'm still waiting on an invite from you to go out there and hunt at hunt at y'all's place because <laughs> for only having killed 140 inch deer you have some giants walking around yeah, up there and on y'all's place that deer wasn't even killed in our place oh really yeah wow i need to tape out my dad's because he shot one three years ago that is he's probably a 150 160 that's a good deer yeah yeah guys for for those of you who don't know nick last fall just kept texting me pictures of these bucks <laughs> and these are crazy looking deer these are yeah, low fence free range deer that that they have on their place and i mean we're talking 170 180 inch deer walking around and it's a big deer one you didn't even kill one didn't and two you one. didn't invite me no I didn't. so <laughs> so guys i hope uh i hope y'all were able to gain something from this uh kind of it was nice of sam to try and give you all some insight uh uh, what to expect if you are hunting out of state uh kind of some things to prepare for um if you haven't already uh go check out our facebook page instagram twitter youtube uh follow this podcast subscribe uh to youtube and all the other social media platforms um if you have an idea of something you want to hear uh, us talk about in a podcast me and Sam might not be experienced in everything, but I promise you, we know plenty of guys who are. 
uh, experienced in multiple different aspects of hunting. So if, if you have something you want to hear us talk about, uh, we have a place uh, on our website, fallobsession.com, where you can go and suggest a topic. Uh, if you go to our website, go to the podcast page, uh, you can go suggest a topic right there, and we will do everything in our power to, to get a podcast uh, involving that topic. So Yeah, guys, we, we do this every single week. We, uh, we release a new podcast episode, so... We're, we're constantly looking for new ideas, new content, and uh, if you guys have any suggestions, we're more than open to them, and we'll, we'll get them on the show, like Nick's saying, as quickly as we can. Go get you some merch, Go too. get you some merch, too. New, uh, we new, got new, new bow hunting tees on the website. Yep. They're, they're pretty legit, so go, go pick one up. And uh, also, we got a lot of new videos on our recently on our YouTube page, too. Our Cure Your Obsession series is great for entry-level bow hunters. Um, it's... Uh, a series not really like anybody else has got right now, so go check that out if you're if you're wanting to get into or new into bow hunting. And uh, our show, our flagship series, Fall Obsessed Outdoors, is uh, is now got the fourth season on on YouTube, 100% free for you guys to watch. And what Nick and I are talking about, what I've been referencing um, in telling you about my limited experience with the with the Montana hunt. Last year's 2019 Montana hunt is is in that show, so you guys can actually see what I'm talking about. Yeah. If, uh, if you want to go check that out, so. Well, Sam, thanks for uh, thanks for coming in and giving us some some helpful hints on uh, hunting out of state. Yeah, man, you bet. I hope that uh, I hope that my limited limited experience is <laughs> uh, is useful to somebody oh, yeah. out there. So uh, if if you guys uh, if you guys benefit from it, then absolutely, I'm I'm coming on. So. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that's all we got for you. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned for an episode next week. We do it every week. See you later.